Jesus. As we look again at the story of Jesus as he returned to his hometown, uh, a prophet, you know, one of their own, their own made good. And the people spoke highly of Jesus. You know, at, at first, everything seemed to be going real great. You know, hey, he's coming back. Have you heard? And, oh, gosh, he's one of our own. Aren't you proud? And that's, that was the first thing. And after all, this is one of their own. What wisdom he had. What, what grace, graceful speech. What a presence. They even said, boy, you know, he, doesn't, he has more authority than our regular teachers and other, the other uh, priests and, and uh, rabbis. There's something different about this guy. Boy, I'm proud of him. And the hometown folk were proud of him up to a point. And we saw that today. So notice the progression of their reception. It started with pride, right? Then it went to bewilderment and kind of confusion. Did, I, did he say what I just, you know, did he say, you know, we, here we are, we're in the synagogue, and, and we're in oppression and everything, and he's talking about the coming of the Messiah. He's using a messianic passage to talk about his mission in the world, and we're, did he say what I just, did he say that? So that was went from, from pride to bewilderment and confusion to actual anger and fury. Because what did they do at the end? He, they were taking him out to town uh, to throw him off the cliff. Now, that's a response to a sermon. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> so, here are three things about God that Jesus is sharing. That he is going to be sharing not only in word, but in his actions and everything he's doing. And I want us to consider these three things that he shares about God in this message of his. First of all, he says God is unpredictable. God is unpredictable. In verses 25 and 26, he reminds his hearers uh, from the story of their history of Elijah. Now, see, they're starting to be angry. So he's accepting that challenge. He, he gave them a, the, the radical grace that he was going to be uh, sharing. He was saying, God, you know, God identifies with the uh, uh, afflicted, but he's going to be identifying with the, the greatest of outcasts, the poor, um, the, the, those in prison, um, the untouchables. We saw that in his ministry too, don't we? He ate with sinners, and they always said, gosh, did you see whose house he went to today? Or he was talking to that woman. Oh, my word. She's one of those. He was always on the fringes within their own society. But then he said the, the, the unthinkable. He was saying that not only is this grace for the children of Israel. But it's for the Gentiles as well. And even the Romans. Who are oppressing us. That was too far. So they're starting to react. It went from bewilderment. They got his message. They were angry. So he challenges them. 
And he says, don't you realize God's unpredictable? God's unpredictable. And he went from their own history. He says, you know, uh, during the time of Elijah, the great prophet whom they adored, during a time in drought in Israel, everyone in the nation suffered. And the predictable thing was that God would have heard their prayers and sent rain to the land of Israel. But Jesus tried to get his people to realize that God is unpredictable. God sent the prophet Elijah not to the people of Israel, but to a, 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 a widow woman in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And she was a foreigner outside of the boundary, of the box of religion and of their, of their religion. Elijah brought her comfort by first performing a miracle, by uh, replacing the last of her flour and oil. And the widow took the last of her food and shared it with Elijah. The result was that the food was replenished. The widow and her son had all they wanted to eat. And a little later, the, the son of the widow got sick and he died and Elijah raised him to life. Now you go, wait a minute. There's a lot of hungry people in, in our own. And, and there's a lot of kids dying. What's he doing? And so he's using that as a challenge to their, their construct, their understanding of, of God and their ownership of God. And this is where we're getting to. And that is the idea, too, that God is unpredictable. Why didn't the prophet help the people of Israel? Wouldn't that have been the expected predictable thing? Yes, it would have. But God is a God of surprises. God is unpredictable in that he does things that normal human wisdom does not anticipate. And grace is such an unpredictable act of God toward us. Grace knows no bounds and is not predictable. Secondly, God is unpredictable and God is uncontrollable. God is uncontrollable. Jesus reminds his hearers who were angry of the story of the time when many in Israel had leprosy. And the prophet Elisha, this time, the mentor of Elijah, acted to cleanse one person during his time. And who did he choose? But that one person was not a Hebrew. In fact, and we get this, guess what he was? A Syrian. Oh, whenever I read that in the news. Truly an outsider. Outside. He was Naaman, a Syrian, an outsider. Surely people in Israel did their best to beg God to heal their sick, but God chose to heal a non-Jew. Why? You know what? We can't know why. We don't know the reasons and the workings of God. We have to remember that in our controlled world and the way that we control everything and say we have all, you know, we have the answers. We have, our culture has become so knowledgeable about everything, we think we control everything. Guess what? We don't. We cannot know all the reasons, but perhaps God was trying to teach that he is not owned and he is controlled by no one. God is the sovereign Lord and chooses 
whom he will. No group of people can claim him in an exclusive right. God is uncontrollable by humans. And the third thing that Jesus is talking about God and sharing about God and demonstrating about God is God is unstoppable. The great irony of this passage is that Jesus was welcomed at first, but then rejected because he reminded the people of this profound truth that God is God and you're not. And it's not the exclusive, God is not the exclusive property of anyone. Jesus' own people turned on him and they wanted to drive him out of the town and they took him up to a cliff and they wanted to throw him off of the cliff. Now that is an incredible reaction to a sermon, as I said. But what happened? It wasn't his time and his grace and his plan and his purpose here on earth was unstoppable and he passed through it. This, in a sense, is the story of the entire gospel message. People tried to hijack it for their own uses. They tried to set the terms of God's own actions. They tried to, to determine who was worthy and who was unworthy. Who are the people we need to go to, who's not. But Jesus right, walks right through them. So how is this applicable to us? I'm not going to get specific because we're talking about an attitude and an attitude that changes us and then we apply it as that attitude changes in us. One scholar says it this way, there's always people who want God on their own terms, but one cannot have God while rejecting God's people. And I agree with that perspective. We cannot have the gospel and not let the radical nature of God's grace shape us, even control us. We can't control and guide the terms. We can't have God on our own terms. We have to let the terms of God's gospel shape and control us. I've had an ongoing conversation with a friend of mine uh, because he, he, he reacts to this issue of the lordship of Jesus Christ and the lordship of the gospel. And that seems foreign to our culture today. Lordship, because we live in a democracy and so forth. And, and who, you know, who understands lordship? That's what this is. This is how this applies. Lordship has nothing to do with a political person with a crown. It is, lordship is an acknowledgement of two things. I'm not in charge, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is in charge, and his grace constrains me, controls me, guides me, and shapes me. So, once we get that, that can be a conversion of heart, and it changes everything. It changes the way that we look at life. It changes the way we look at each other. It changes the way that we look at we're doing things. It changes the way that we look at the person who is outside the walls. It changes everything. 
and in every context, school, work, everything. So the application is your own. As you think about this and as maybe God changes your heart, what is God doing among us? What is God doing in you and in me? Does he need to keep on going and pass through because he is not welcome on his terms? That we are trying to say, here, God, get in the box. Now, I'm constrained by a number of things, but we need to remember God is not. I'm constrained, and I have boundaries of my faith and and Christian faith and so forth, but God's not. God's at work in every way in the world and is unstoppable, is uncontrollable, and unpredictable. Does he need to keep on going and pass through because he's not welcome in my life on his own terms? Are we trying to control God and predict his actions because we think we have him all figured out and what he needs to be doing? Come on, God, get with the program. As the people in Jesus' hometown learned, God is unpredictable, uncontrollable, and unstoppable. No one owns God. God won't get in your box. Fine either.